0: Hello and happy Friday to all of our problematic women out there. I'm Lauren Evans, joined by the one and only Virginia Allen. And you might hear the background noise and and maybe even feel the excitement. And I want to let you know today we are doing a special episode from the Conservative Political Action Conference, also known as CPAC.
1: That's why we're coming to you a day late this week, because we wanted to share some of the amazing interviews from the conference with problematic women right here at CPAC. This year's conference is full of so many amazing lawmakers, political activists, and a whole lot of problematic women. Today, we're going to be giving you all an exclusive look into CPAC. We share our colleague's interview with Mallory Quigley, vice president of communications for the pro-life Susan B. Anthony List.
0: Plus, our intern Michaela and producer on the show, spoke to a lot of young conservatives about feminism and what their hopes for women are in 2020 as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote.
1: Stay tuned for Kate Trinko's conversation with Mallory Quigley. They discuss current pro-life legislation and how we can talk about the issue of life and abortion.
2: Joining us today at CPAC is Mallory Quigley, the Vice President of Communications at Susan B. Anthony List, an organization that promotes pro-life candidates with a special emphasis on women candidates. Mallory, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Kate.
2: And as usual, full disclosure, Mallory is a very good friend of mine. I was waiting for that. (laughs) Well, I just want to be honest with the audience. Okay, so on a more serious note, what do you think of the two pro-life bills in the Senate this week that failed to pass?
3: Gosh, um, it was not unexpected, but it was still really hard to see a majority, you know, or such a huge number of Senate Democrats... Oppose legislation that would protect babies that are born alive after failed abortions, defying seventy percent of people in their own party that support that legislation. You know, we only we only needed a vote on that legislation. It's only necessary because we allow elective late term abortion in this country, uh, all the way up into the moment of birth. A lot of people don't realize that Roe v.ersus Wade and Doe v.ersus Bolton taken together created a situation in this country. Where we have the status quo is. Abortion for any reason, so long as you can get an abortionist to, uh, you know, to perform it for you. And um, the Pain Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, the five-month abortion ban, that would change that. That would take the United States off the list of seven countries in the whole world to allow these extreme late-term abortions. So uh, really upsetting, um, but I think it speaks to the stranglehold that the abortion lobby has on the Democratic Party leadership.
2: Yeah, and I think it's good you point out how many Democrats actually support measures like these because unfortunately, the mainstream media coverage is often, um, you know, like, oh, this is a radical pro-life bill. And in both yeah. these cases, these are widely popular pieces of legislation. Right. You know, a lot of Americans agree. I think a, a Knights of Columbus Maris poll even showed that three quarters of Americans, I believe, would be okay with abortion being illegal after the first trimester. Yeah. So these are not extreme.
3: It's, a, you're exactly right. And I think that's the most important thing when you're, when you're looking at the polls, look at the policy. Look at what people support when it comes to policy and and who should be making it. Actually, we did a poll last year that found a majority of Americans think abortion policy ought to be decided by elected representatives, not by the Supreme Court.
2: There's a major Supreme Court case coming on abortion next month. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that and what we should be looking for. Yes.
3: In early March, the Supreme Court is going to hear oral arguments in June Medical Services versus Rousseau. And this is, um, they're sort of retaking up a look at the Hellerstedt decision because it's similar legislation. So at issue is a uh, pro-life Law in Louisiana that says an abortionist must have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital within a certain mile radius of wherever they're performing the abortion, and this is really to ensure continuity of care and ensure that um, if if there is a medical emergency that happens during an abortion, that a woman's not going to be abandoned by the person that was doing the procedure. It was a pro-life Democrat woman. Katrina Jackson, she's now a state senator. She's uh, actually been a guest on this podcast. Oh yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Um, pr- another pro-life Democrat. Uh, it's her legislation, and the court's also going to consider whether or not the abortion lobby, because June Medical Services, that's an abortion facility, whether or not the abortion lobby actually has standing to sue on behalf of women Looking to obtain an abortion, um, and this is a really important question because for decades the abortion lobby has run to the courts, um, and they've re- you know received favorable opinions for themselves. So um, whether or not the the abortion lobby has has standing, this is really gonna this the impact of how they rule on this could affect dozens of other cases that are making their way towards the court right now in the lower courts. There's just dozens of. Uh, different pieces of different litigation that's happening. And the question really being, you know, do the abortionists have the best interest of women at heart? Does the cigarette lobby have the best interest of its consumers at heart? And uh, we think certainly not. So, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond to the oral arguments that's taking place March 4th, and then we expect the decision sometime this summer.
2: Okay, and of course, we'll definitely be covering that mm-hmm. those oral arguments at the Daily Signal. So going back to us being friends. Mm. I know that you travel a lot outside D.C. Yeah. And get to get out of the D.C. bubble a lot, which I think is great. Yeah. You rack up the frequent fire miles. <laughs> so when you travel around the country and talk to people about abortion, what are their attitudes? And are they do they talk about abortion or think about abortion the same way that we see a lot of the extreme media talking about it? Yeah.
3: Um, you know, I think in the wake of last year, Governor Northam... Uh, in Virginia, talking about babies born alive and letting them, leaving them to die. Mm-hmm. That and the Governor Cuomo, you know, a month earlier, lighting up the One World Trade Center pink in celebration of that extreme pro-abortion bill that passed in New York. The coverage of that, um, especially Northam's like his flop, basically mm-hmm. um, that really permeated in a way that surprised me. Uh, a lot of Americans. Uh, minds and understandings about the, the the ongoing conversation about the abortion issue. Um, people, this country is pro life. People are horrified when they learn what the status quo is because a lot of people just don't know. They th- actually think that Roe v. Wade made abortion illegal only in the first. They they think that Maris poll you cited. That's mm-hmm. what people think the status quo is. That abortion is only available in the first trimester. That's. Oh. Um, um. They don't realize how extremely permissive our our laws are. And when they find out, they are horrified. And I have had people just coming out of the woodwork, non political, non partisan people say, oh my gosh, if that's what it means to be pro choice, the Northam Cuomo position, I am not that. And so I've actually come across uh, more and more pro life people um, as I've traveled. You know, we're, we're in battleground states, we're talking to people that, um, we know from our modeling that we think are probably with us on the life issue, but we're not sure, but we're going up and we're having conversations with them at their door about life. And, and for the most part, um, you know, they are who we think they are. They're very strongly motivated by the life issue. Even if they care about other issues, immigration, healthcare, they care about life first. And so I think that people should be out there about their positions.
2: So speaking of conversations, earlier this year, actress Michelle Williams made quite a lot of ways when she basically used an award ceremony that she got an acting award to talk about how she felt an abortion earlier in her life was necessary for her career success. And we know, I think maybe we really know in DC that policy and, you know, elections and all this stuff, it's great, it's important, but ultimately in an issue like this, it's often the conversations, the one-on-one that change people's hearts and minds. So, how do you think people should talk to women like Michelle Williams? How, how in general, can we talk productively about abortion?
3: Yeah, I think compassion is the key. Speak the truth in love. That is what I try and do every day. You know, when whether I'm talking to someone that agrees with me or not. But I think Michelle Williams' comments, especially in the post Me Too era, were so shocking because, um, you know. She thought she was saying something empowering, but it was not empowering that you have to take the life of your unborn child in order to advance in your career to be able to hold this golden statue. I mean, it just the the visuals there it was so, you know, like an idol that she was holding, um, but to treat her with compassion and, and love, because how many women have bought the lie that that's what they need in order to be successful, that they've got to, that they can't be mothers, that they have to deny, um, you know what part are what's so inborn it's to, innate to being a woman is the ability to create and bear life and um you know this is a lie that's been told for since the beginning of time um you know, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Caddy Stanton, they saw abortion as an exploitation of women. They saw it as a way for men to cover up crimes of rape and infidelity. And um, Charlotte Denman Lozier, our research arm, is named after her. She was a pro-life doctor, uh, a man who brought his mistress to her and said, you know, she's pregnant. We need an abortion. And she refused. Um and I think that we need just we need to stand up for life in this country. And people like Michelle Williams, um, we need to correct the industry standard or whatever the culture is in, in whatever industry, whether it's Hollywood or you know politics or what have you, corporate business. Like that, um, killing is never the answer. Uh, but to, to but to be kind to those who have been misled um, and who have experienced a grave harm, she might not regret it now but I think that she may someday in the future and there certainly are a lot of women out there who um who regret their decision I talk to Georgette Forney often at Silent No More and she tells me about the women that they're constantly ministering to and there's a lot of people that have been hurt a lot of women that have been hurt by abortion okay The need healing. thank you so much for joining us Mallory yeah my pleasure thanks thanks Kate
1: Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? If you want to understand what's happening at the court, subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court.
0: All right, welcome back. That was a great interview, wasn't it, Virginia? It really was. I love them. All right, well, our next segment we're really excited about. Our intern, Michaela Hepler, went out and spoke with the Young Conservatives here at CPAC to get their take on feminism, and what it looks like to be a woman in 2020, 100 years after women got the right to vote.
4: So 2020 is the 100th anniversary of women gaining the right to vote. What do you want to see for women this year? I really think that
3: they have kind of forgotten what it really means to be a woman. Um, A lot of people think that to be a woman, it means to be equal to men. Women nowadays have lost that pride in themselves because they've gone too far into thinking, you know, we need to be exactly alike to everyone else. I really hate that we have a lot of people um, tearing down conservative women and saying that you're not actually a woman if you voted for Trump. So I think that we just need to um, support each other and really do what's best for our country. I guess in regards to people running for Congress, I'd love to see more women on the Republican ticket get into Congress?
1: Specifically, I mean, for the, for the conservative movement, I'd love to see him involved more. Um, I'd love to see him in getting political office. Um, you don't really see much of that right now, and I'd like to see that. Uh, I think we've been doing a good job of promoting women, not simply for the sake of promoting women, but because they deserve it. Um, you know, after all, this is a meritocracy, and I think we're growing in that way, and I think 2020 is going to be a big year for women.
2: We need more Republican women, and I think they would serve the the nation very
3: well. I like the idea of independence for women, uh, but I'd like to see women take responsibility for themselves. If you get independence, it means you have to not be a victim, you have to take responsibility.
1: All right, welcome back. I love that Michaela did such a great job capturing interviews and comments with so many amazing people here at CPAC. Now, some of us have have come to CPAC for a very long time. <laughs> some of us are old. <laughs> Lauren, how many CPACs have you been to?
0: Believe it or not, this is my tenth CPAC. Wow, ten, yeah. one third of my life, I have I have gone to a
1: CPAC. So you started when you were like ten, coming yeah. right? Oh, yeah, no, a twenty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, twenty. So, yeah, I've, I've been to lots of CPACs. They're all very different. They're all very fun. Uh, it's definitely very interesting going as a college student now, coming and working uh, with the Daily Signal. Every CPAC I've been to, I've connected with just really interesting people and people who are really passionate about our country.
1: So, tell me a little bit about what you experience when you walk into CPAC. You know, if, if I've never been here, I have no idea what this is. I'm hearing about it for the first time. What even is it? How does it operate?
0: So I imagine it's like a little kid walking into Disney, as like <laughs> a conservative walking into CPAC. It's just like red, white, and blue everywhere, and um, just lots of people. You know, it's like you can feel the excitement, and I will admit sometimes it's overwhelming. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a great time, and I'm really excited that the Daily Signal is is here, right here on Media Row. Just really getting to engage and be part of the conversation here.
1: Yeah, no, Lauren, I, I love that because it's so true. It's It's been so far a great conference. We've had the privilege of interviewing some great people already here at the Daily Signal booth. Our colleague, Rachel Del Judas has spoke with Senator Ernst and Marsha Blackburn. Um, we're all, we'll be playing, uh, well, as, as we already heard, we had the great interview that our colleague Kate Trinco did. So many great people. We have so many more interviews throughout the rest of CPAC. So we're really excited to be here. This is my third year at CPAC. I feel like every year it gets better and better. There's more excitement. Vice President Mike Pence spoke on Thursday. President Donald Trump is speaking on Saturday. There's so much energy in the room. It's really exciting.
0: And Virginia, that takes us to our next segment. And every week, my favorite segment, (laughs) our Problematic Woman of the Week.
1: That's right. Well, this week, we couldn't just choose one problematic woman. Being at CPAC today and surrounded by so many incredible speakers, hardworking journalists, and just empowered, strong, problematic, conservative women, we decided that we were going to crown all of the women of CPAC as the problematic woman of the week.
0: I, I love that, Virginia. And we have a special treat for you. We have one of them here. It is one of our interns, also named Michaela, believe it or not. <laughs> it is her first year at CPAC, and she spent the entire day from morning to afternoon. She took like a two-minute break to eat lunch, just talking to folks about the Daily Signal. So let's get her take. Perfect. Welcome, Michaela. <laughs> if you can just tell us who you are, where you're from, and what are you doing at the Heritage Foundation this semester?
4: Yeah. So my name is Michaela Todd. I'm from Baldwin City, Kansas. I just graduated from Emporia State University back in Kansas, and I came up here to Washington, D.C. to work for the Heritage Foundation in their Young Leaders Program. I'm the digital communications intern for this semester, so I'm working with Michelle Cordero and her digital team. So I work a lot with the website and their social media, um, and I'm enjoying it so much. So far, it's been a great experience. This is your first CPAC. What yeah. are your initial thoughts, reactions? How's it, how's it been so far? Oh, my gosh. It's been awesome. So I've heard about CPAC Uh Uh, A couple years ago. Um, And ever since I did, I always wanted to come. Um, So having this opportunity to come and work for it for Heritage and the Daily Signal has been awesome. Uh, I think what I like most about it so far is there's a a big range of age difference here. So I've been to like young leaders like programs and conservative organizations like that. Um, But I haven't been part of like ones that have like a broader spectrum of like people around. So getting like to meet older people and learning and talking about their experience so far, because um, you can learn a lot. i um, talking to people that are older um, and just hearing them say how excited they are to see young people uh, here is really awesome and inspiring. So I've liked it. so.
1: If you could describe CPAC in one word, what word would that be?
4: inspiring honestly (laughs)
1: like it's
4: been amazing i got to pop in and listen to some of the speakers uh between my shifts i got to hear diamond and silk which is awesome they were amazing and hilarious um and just being around this environment where you're surrounded by conservative-minded people uh christian conservatives uh it's just been really great and it gives me hope for the future knowing that we can do better for this country um yeah, and it just inspires me more to get more involved and to help in that progress.
0: I love that. So one thing, Michaela, that you've been doing a lot is representing the Daily Signal and doing that by really just approaching strangers that you don't know and mm-hmm. talking to them. What's it been like, you know, really putting yourself out there and, and networking with folks that you don't know at all.
4: Yeah, I actually really enjoy that. I like um, asking people, hi, how's it going? Like, how are you enjoying CPAC? And then really learning about like their background. I talked to one guy um, and he was a veteran from the Air Force. And we talked for like 10 minutes about like his experience and like why he was here at CPAC um, and how his time in the military like shaped his views. Um, And then he talked to me about like my experience and why I'm here at CPAC. So I really like getting to have that connection and getting to know people and then understand why they're here why they're part of the conservative movement
1: I love that that's yeah. so great it's such an amazing opportunity to be surrounded by people from all over America all different walks of life mm-hmm. but that are all so passionate about this nation yeah and seeing our country th- thrive and freedom continue to prosper in our nation yeah really great Michaela thank you so much for your time yes we thank really you so much it. for
4: coming or letting me come sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes I've enjoyed it
0: All right, and that's going to be it for this week's special edition of Problematic Women.
1: Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition of Problematic Women. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share.
0: Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does
1: make a difference. Have a great week and stay problematic.